The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. We just had Prime Minister's questions, and here's what Keir Starmer had to say to Rishi Sunak after a series of Tory rebellions in which Downing Street has found a compromise. A member for the Isle of Wight are cheering him on because he's going to build more homes. Pull the other one. I'll tell him, I'll tell him what changed. His backbenchers threatened him. And as always, the blancmange Prime Minister wobbled. Fraser, that was the Labour leader saying that Rishi Sunak is a blancmange. Do you agree? I have to say I haven't quite heard that one before. But blancmange, I mean, if you go into Urban Dictionary to ask what the meaning of that is, you find uh, a definition that I won't repeat here. So I'm not quite sure if that's what Keir Starmer had in mind. I don't think he was suggesting that the Prime Minister has performance issues. But I think that overall, he's um, suggesting what? That he doesn't quite um, know what he's doing? I've never, you know, it's impossible to interpret, really. And I'm not even sure you can accuse uh, Rishi Sunak of flip-flopping, if that's the other accusation. But I suppose, Fraser, on flip-flopping, he's trying to suggest that he is wobbling in terms of Tory MPs, uh, you know, want to scrap managing housing targets, others want to, you know, have an onshore wind. In both scenarios, the government has given way to a degree. In a way, they have actually found they've got a bit of the way, not all the way. But does that make Rishi Sunak look weak or does it make him look pragmatic? Oh, it makes him look like the Prime Minister of a coalition who has to give ground quite a lot to factions in that coalition. That's something which... I think Keir Starmer will become acquainted with after the election, probably. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if you're trying to come up with an attack line, Donald Trump does this quite effectively. He'll, like, identify his enemies and give them a nickname, hoping the nickname will stick. And I'm not quite sure that Rishi Sunak, the Blumange Prime Minister, is going to be how he will be remembered. I mean, I think the original Labour attack line that he's, you know, um, incredibly rich, his wife's a non-dom, etc., detached. That is probably going to be more effective than saying that he wobbles a lot. I'm not quite sure. I wish he actually wobbled a bit more, Rishi Sunak. I'd like to see him you know, giving a bit more ground on the needs to impose all of these taxes. But he hasn't. And sure that he's, he's, you know, he's, he caved when it came to onshore wind farms, but that wasn't exactly a core issue of his. James... It feels as though Labour, particularly in the past few weeks, is trying out different attack lines at PMQs to find out work, what works best. So you've obviously had the non-dom attack, we've had the weak attack, now we had the wobble attack. What do you think has been the most successful? I don't think wobble works, because I think wobble requires a certain... Um, uh, how do you put this? It requires you to look like you yourself physically wobble, if you see what I mean, uh, which, I, which, I, which, I don't, which I don't think he does. Uh, look, I think I think if you're Labour, the, the 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 I think the things that they will think that they will have most mileage on, I suspect, is as Fraser says, going after him on the grounds that that you know that he's rich, and then I think the other question is you know making attacks on you know. The party, this, that, because Starmer, obviously, when you are as far ahead in the polls as, as 
uh, Labour currently are. You know, party. You know, there's a, there's a great quote about sport, but team spirit is an, an illusion glimpsed in victory. I think that party unity is one of these illusions glimpsed in in poll success. And at the moment, Labour, because the polls are are very favourable to them, you know, they are in that moment, and it makes it easier, I think, for Keir Starmer to say, "Oh, look, you have to negotiate with your own side." I don't. But I think I, I, I would be personally be slightly surprised if we hear the Blumange Prime Minister again, because it's also, it's also a kind of slightly, I mean, um, slightly 1970s pudding choice. I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't, as, as someone born in 1980, I, I, don't, I don't think I've eaten Blumange very often. Oh, by the way, it wasn't mentioned once in the House of Commons of the 1970s. And one of the great things about Hansard now is you can find out that since the inception of our democracy, it's been mentioned 74 times. Uh, so when is the peak of Blumange? The people of Monge came in 1943. Interesting. Ra- during rationing when it was so like a fantasy. I'm now going to steer us briefly away from uh, desserts, but I do have a final question on that for the end of the podcast. Um, because the other, uh, I suppose, piece of fireworks... Are going to associate Keir Starmer with a dessert? <laughs> James, I don't want to give anything away. Um, so because the other, uh, you know, fireworks in Prime Minister's questions relates to the new SNP Westminster leader. Uh, last night, Stephen Flynn was elected. He replaces Ian Blackford. He made his debut today. And in terms of SNP power dynamics, his appointment, um, the Aberdeen South MP, is seen as a potential blow to Nicola Sturgeon's authority. He defeated uh, an MP who's seen as much closer to Nicola Sturgeon. And Fraser, what should we take from this? It seems as though Flynn has his own ideas about how the SNP should be opposing the Tories and Labour and pushing for independence. I think it's a rather cruder level than this. Now, I should um, give a health warning here that I'm a unionist and no friend to the SNP, so maybe inclined to give them an unkind interpretation of what's going on. But recently, when Nicola Sturgeon worked out that she wasn't going to get her second referendum, at least not legally, because the Supreme Court... Um, explained to her that she didn't have the power to call one. She said, OK, in that case, let's make the next general election into a de facto referendum. So only vote SNP for Westminster if you want Scottish independence, and if we get more than 50% of the votes, we'll use that as a referendum. Now, this idea went down very badly with those Westminster MPs, because they think there will be far fewer of them, and that if you do um, declare Westminster to be a de facto referendum, then that will mean they might lose their seats. Now, the SNP is having a sort of a convention, a discussion to discuss this new strategy. Now, normally, it's not a particularly democratic institution. What a leader wants, a leader gets. But we are seeing the Westminster lots think, um, absolutely not. Let's see if we can detach them. This will hurt us in the general election. I don't think Sturgeon cares that much how many SNP MPs there are in Westminster. She cares far more about the the overall mission. So I would put it in that context. I mean, of course, there have been criticisms of of, of the previous leader, say he was was too windy, etc. But it's, I mean, normally you you wouldn't really care who leads a relatively small faction of um, nationalist MPs in Westminster. But I do think this is important because of the wider split of a nationalist movement that it represents and the big question which the SNP have ahead of the next general election. And James, that is ultimately about whether the SNP are going to fight this as an independence general election, which Nicola Sturgeon has been framing. Or when you speak to some of these SNP uh, politicians, they feel that if they do that, they're giving a lot of the uh, you know the argument to Labour who will make it all about domestic politics during cost of living crisis. Yeah, I think Labour. I think the I think the, the the nature of a general election, the arrival of Labour was always going to pose a challenge for the SNP. 
I actually thought that Stephen Flynn was buoyed at this PMQs, but there's a new poll out in Scotland today suggesting, you know, support for independence is the highest it's been in some time. Generally, the polls recently have tended to show no ahead. This poll suggests that post the Supreme Court decision against the Scottish Parliament's right to, to call a referendum on, on its own, you know, independence has seen an uptick in the polls. I think mean, if that is the case, then I mean that more people on the SNP side will come round to the idea of fighting the general election as a kind of proxy um, a proxy vote on independence. Though I think, as you say, Katie, I think the danger for them is that in a, in a UK general election campaign, Labour say, well, look, you can get rid of the Tories uh, by voting for us. You don't need to have independence. And that could act as a squeeze on some of the social democratic bit of the SNP vote. I also think one other thing worth noting about this change of the SNP leadership is it moves the SNP in, in domestic policy terms to the left. You know, Ian Blackford, former banker, you know, not an economic radical. I, I think when you look at this, 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 this new team of Murray Black as deputy leader, it feels much more to the left in terms of domestic policy. And finally, a question for both Fraser, who's currently eating his delivery, and James. Um, Fraser, what dessert do you think Rishi Sunak and Kirstama most closely resemble? Oh, that's a loaded question, there, isn't it? Um, I would go for something definitely caffeinated, because I think he's quite a full-on attention guy, Rishi Sunak. I wouldn't call them wobbly, actually. It's quite a firm dessert. Something that would be quite an acquired difficult taste. If he was a drink, he'd be whiskey, right? But, um, and I'm not quite sure, because desserts tend to be superficially easy and sweet. You can't describe Rishi Sunak as that. He's a man who's come to administer bitter medicine to this country. So he'd be more of a, I don't know, I would put him as an espresso shot, not a dessert. What about you, James? (laughs) Um, I have to say, I've never actually devoted much um, much space to thinking about this question. Um, are you put, t- are you, time. Are you pudding man? Um, I'm much for cheese to pudding. Well, if Rishi were a cheese, what would it be? <laughs> um, I, I mean, you, you, are, you are stretching my, my, my analogies skills well, come here. On. Would it be one of these cheeses that make you go, you know, would it be like, like deep um, Stilton is an acquired taste to some, others love it. Then you've got that lovely Scottish cheese, so mild as to be like butter. I love it. Um, Which one's that? Kabok. It's uh, made in the, the my native highlands and is a very mild, made of cream, rolled in oatmeal, delicious. Then you've got Scottish cheddar, milder. Then you've got cathedral cheddar. Now that's one we have most of all in my household. Cathedral City. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, cheddar. It, it is deluxe and available worldwide. Divine. So and is that not from Chester, which is where Labour have just scored their best results since um, 18... Oh, was it that? Was it I either the Tories' off, off. worst results since 1832 or Labour's best? No, I, I, I am coming up short on this question. Come on, you get squidgy breeze, you get hard cheeses, you get ones <laughs> you can eat with a spoon that's so soft. I... I, I I, I, okay, so you, you've never had a cheese and been like, this reminds me of Richie Zuna? No. Okay. Well, okay, well, given that you asked the question... I've, I might have gone for a tiramisu for Rishi Sunak. I see your coffee point. I mean, his favourite drink is what, Mexican cola? But yeah, I think tiramisu for the dessert. And I have to say, I'm yet to have a cheese that's made me immediately think of Rishi Sunak. But as soon as I do, I will report back to this podcast. I'm not sure I'm going to eat a dessert in the same way again now. I'm going to be thinking Keir Starmer and which politician does this dessert remind me of? <laughs> thanks, Fraser. Thanks, James. And thank you for listening. <laughs>